Welcome to Park Hill Church, Together at Home, and this is the teaching portion of our gathering. Um, my name's Evan Wickham. If you're tuning in for the first time, if, you, if you're not yet a Jesus follower, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, this is the moment we're going to get into the scriptures and see what God would speak to our community. So get comfortable, grab a cup of coffee, and uh, we're going to eat and drink the bread and the cup, the, the practice of communion after this teaching. So, so get bread and wine ready as well. Um, we're just going to get right into the sermon, and I'm going to read through the text in a minute. We are living in heartbreaking times. None of us have been here before. A lot of us know what personal suffering is like, but none of us are familiar with this collective sense of loss. This is why we've decided to do this series called Practicing Resurrection. It's fascinating and very relevant that most of the resurrection stories in the Bible, like the sightings of the risen Jesus, they're all about depressed, anxious, sad, fearful people and how Jesus comes to them and breathes the peace and strength of the Spirit into their lives. So for these seven Sundays, seven Sundays starting on Easter two weeks ago, we are letting the risen Jesus command our attention because a huge message in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't promise promise to save us from, from all suffering. Like when we come to Jesus, we don't suddenly get a get out of jail free card from all pain. But he does promise to save us through our suffering. And he went through suffering first to lead the way. And then Jesus' resurrection, it doesn't just give us positivity, like everything's gonna be good, no worries. Uh, don't cry, don't be sad, everything's gonna be good. Jesus doesn't give us positivity. He gives us peace that's rooted in his actual presence in suffering. Uh, the story of Easter is a story of God breaking through our sin and sickness and uncertainty to be with us and never leave us. And his empowering spirit is here with you now. God is with you now. With our kids, you know, interrupting worship and being like, you know, cats and we have to hurt them and get the announcements and all of that. In the normal, everyday, ordinary, God is with us. He's with you now. So for these seven weeks, we're practicing resurrection. And one concrete practice per week is being given to us. So I talked about the rhythm. We're going to prepare our hearts to meet on Sunday and then practice one thing every week out of Sunday. So the first practice on Easter was Lectio Divina, which is just... Uh, scripture meditation in a certain way. And uh, it's actually a way of reading the Bible that I grew up with. I just didn't have the fancy name for it. And then last week's practice was imaginative prayer. Beautiful life-giving practice for me that is making, it's, it's made me fall in love with prayer all over again. And now this week's practice, you ready? This week's practice is, is known as the discipline of notice. The discipline of notice. And the goal of notice is to become aware of what's happening outside you and inside you and to recognize God's movement in both of those spaces, outside and inside, and to partner with him in those spaces. That's the goal. And so here's the deal. God wants you to become aware of your emotions in this moment and process them with him and with your community, with the goal of recognizing his loving, peace-filled presence in your life. And that's what our text today is about. It's about noticing, noticing what's inside and where God is. 
It's about recognizing. It's a story about the first person to notice the risen Jesus, a woman named Mary Magdalene. Someone uh, called this story the greatest recognition scene in all of literature. And it's the moment Mary, like he, she, she suddenly notices that this man standing in front of her is actually Jesus alive again. And, and, but before, before that great you know, reveal, before the curtains pulled back and it's Jesus, um, she's called twice to notice her own emotions, to notice her surroundings, to notice what's going on in her body and her heart, to notice the movement of God. She's actually called to notice. And so look at verse 11, John chapter 20, verse 11. John chapter 20, verse 11 through 13. Let's read this section of the passage. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. And so picture the scene, engage your imagination here. Mary is crying alone outside of the garden tomb. Uh, why? This has been a like shocking day for her. So she came to the tomb because it's the only place she knew where to go and cry. She came to the tomb because she knew that at least Jesus's dead body was there. At least there's a fixed point where I can direct my emotions. But what happens? You feel her grief. She gets to the tomb and every, the only thing she knew that was certain, the only thing she knew for sure that I can at least cry here, um, it was pulled out from under her feet. It was pulled out from under her feet. And this is where we find ourselves today. The rug is pulled out from under our feet. We have no idea what life will look like next week. We just got uh, another executive, like an order down the pipe starting May 1st, in, at least in San Diego, mandatory face masks in public. They've been strongly encouraged up to now, but here's another change. Another life pace change. And this is Mary. We have no idea what will happen a year from now, let alone a month, um, we go to bed and wake up to something totally different. New social distancing orders, new predictions from experts. And really we're like Mary because we're just looking for like a solid place to cry together. And it's like people are moving Jesus's body on us every night. We just wanna know where to go to cry. Normally we go to church, we'll gather and we'll get prayer, we'll get hands laid on us and eat and drink the bread and the cup and lift our souls in worship. We don't have that. Unprecedented not to have that. And so each of us finds ourselves in different spaces, detached and all staring, staring at a strangely unrecognizable empty tomb, feeling lost. We resonate with Mary. Her love for Jesus is real. She just wants to pray over his dead body. She wants to be with him, but her grief is raw. Her grief is raw. And that's the part we don't like, especially in American culture. We like positivity. We don't want to feel this way, let alone be open and vulnerable about our feelings. And so Mary looks into the empty tomb a second time in our passage. And then she sees two angels in white. 
And you know she's in a bad state because she just talks to them like they're normal people. Like usually in the Bible, when people see angels, they like wet themselves. <laughs> they're so scared. They scream, they're like, I, I can't. And the angel has to say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. But the angel doesn't say, don't be afraid here because she's not afraid. She's almost like she's not even noticing that they're angels in white. She's so overcome with grief. She doesn't notice the angels. And so the angels invite her to notice of all the things they could say to her, like glory to God in the highest. God raised Jesus from the dead. Of all the things they could do, like throw a party or a, like a sky parade, like they did on Christmas with the shepherds. They don't do that here. Of all the things they could do, they ask her a question. Woman, why are you crying? And they want Mary to notice her emotions why? She's lost. She's lost in her sorrow and confusion. So they want her to explore her feelings in the presence of God, in the presence of these angels. This is the point and goal of notice. This is the goal of this week's discipline. But Mary just quickly responds like she doesn't even see the angels. She's like, they've taken my Lord away and I don't even know where they put him. And then watch the next verse, verse 14, John 20, 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And so she's looking straight at her Lord that she's been following for years, but doesn't notice it's Jesus. I love what old Scottish minister William Barclay says about this. He says, quote, there is no need to seek for elaborate reasons why Mary did not notice Jesus. The simple and the poignant fact is that she could not see him through her tears. Is this resonating with you? Are you with me? I think this is a moment for us. The risen Jesus is with us. He's right behind us. He's right in front of us all the time. And he's calling us to recognize him through our tears, through our emotions, through our mental, physical state, and truly see Jesus in all his beautiful reality in the moment of our confusion. So how do I know this? Because Jesus asks word for word in Greek, the same question the angels asked. Jesus now says, woman, why are you crying? So Jesus is calling Mary to notice her emotions and process them in his presence. This is the compassion of God. This is what God is like right here. This is what God is like. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And our father is so good and so compassionate that he comes right up to us and he invites us to, to dump, to, to vent, to pour out what's inside uh, with hope that he is the healer for the brokenness. So first the angels invite her to notice. Now Jesus invites her. And John wants us to get this message that God wants you, Park Hill Church and beyond, whoever's watching this, God wants you to become aware of your emotions and process them with him and with his community, with the goal of recognizing his loving, peaceful presence in your life. So, so I want us now to just hear the angels, envision two angels in white, saying, son, daughter, 
Why are you weeping? And then you turn around and there's Jesus now. The angels maybe looked over her shoulder and fixed their eyes on the Savior. And she now sees Jesus but doesn't notice. And Jesus says, woman, son, daughter, what's going on? Bring it to me. I want to see it. I want to hear you verbalize it. Unpack it with me. And we heard this same voice on Easter two weeks ago when Jesus, he like caught up on the road with two depressed disciples and they're like super disappointed about everything that had changed. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? And they're like, how could you not know the news? How could you not uh, know the headlines? And Jesus is like, no, no, tell me what things. I just want to hear it from you. Like, <laughs> this is who our God is. This is who he is. And he's doing this with Mary and he's doing this with you, with us, all the time. And what we're going to see is that he's calling us to notice that, that he's there with us. And he's calling us to unpack our hearts. Mary couldn't see Jesus through her tears and Jesus is reaching out, calling her to notice. And look at her response, verse 15. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. So Mary's response here is pretty uh, amazing, actually. There is uh, a little bit of wordplay here. There's wordplay because what she doesn't realize is that she's looking at the new Adam. She's looking at the new, um, the answer to all the sad things in the world in person. She's looking at the solution and the savior right now. The God who wants to bring new creation in her heart. Where there's chaos inside of her, he wants to plant seeds of heaven. Where there's a dark, dead, dry soil, he wants to water it with himself and then plant his own life inside of her. And, and she says, John, John says, uh, in that phrase, do you have slide 16 there, Hendrick? It says, Mary thought he was the gardener. <laughs> I love that. This is a wordplay. A lot of Bible scholars have got that, that wordplay. Uh, they picked up on this. Um, Mary thought he was the gardener. So I have a question. Was Mary right or wrong? Was Jesus the gardener? In a sense, no, like obviously not. But in a deeper sense, absolutely yes. I love how N.T. Wright puts this. N.T. Wright quote, he says, uh, Mary's intuitive guess that he must be the gardener, it was wrong at one level and right, deeply right at another. This is the new creation. Jesus is the beginning of it. Here he is, the new Adam, the gardener with a capital G, charged with bringing the chaos of God's creation into new order, into flower, into fruitfulness. He has come to uproot the thorns and thistles and replace them with blossoms and harvests. Will we notice him? Will we notice him and give ourselves to his process, his new life that he wants to birth in us? So when, when John has Mary, quote, thinking he was the gardener, it's this intentional wordplay. If you think all the way back to the Garden of Eden, all the way forward to the new Jerusalem heavenly picture in Revelation where there's a tree springing up in the throne room of God, Jesus is the agent who brings that growth in us and in the world around us. Will we notice what's in us? Will we notice what's around us? And will we partner with God's gardening by his spirit? Will we notice Jesus? Uh, I love that song, Waymaker. 
even if we don't see him, he is working. This is the gardener. Mary doesn't see him. She thinks he's the gardener. It's like this, this kind of, this mix and this haze of misidentifying, but also getting it right. Even when we don't see him, he's still the gardener coming and working in our hearts, bringing forgiveness, planting peace and new growth in our lives. So Mary, she starts pouring her heart out to Jesus. And as she turns to Jesus, she, she hears her name. She hears her name. Look at verse uh, 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. In this moment, in this moment, after she's called to notice what's inside of her and what's around her, Jesus calls Mary's name. And something about hearing her name, it broke something open. Something about hearing her name, Mary, it, it broke the limits on her understanding. And you guys, I wanna, I wanna camp out on this for a couple seconds because we need people to call our names. We need people to call our names. You need to be a person who calls people's names. We need each other in this moment. We need community. Where I call your name, you call mine. This is something I try to do daily at daily prayer over Zoom, our noon hour prayer meeting we do every day. Um, I try to go through the list whenever I'm leading and I speak a blessing over every name in the room. Sometimes there's 10 people, sometimes there's 40 people in the room. We'd love to see 200 people in that room. And, and I, I, I group them together and I speak blessings over the daughters of God and the sons of God in the room because we need to hear our names called in community. We need to, uh, because something about her understanding of God's presence was, was, was heightened when Jesus said, Mary. So how does that resonate with you? What do you sense the Spirit calling you to do in the lives of others? That's why we do the passing of the peace. You pick someone's name in your phone and you say, I think the Spirit brought you, Joseph, to mind. Brought you, Jake, Hendrick, um, Luis, Randy, Tori, Clark, uh, Tanika. I think I, I, I have your name in my mind, which means I'm going to speak it to you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm noticing you. I'm seeing you in my heart. We can't see each other physically right now, but I'm seeing you in my spirit and I speak a blessing over you. You guys, this is why we need community now more than ever. This is not the time to skip community because it's inconvenient. So Jesus calls Mary's name and the whole reality of Jesus caves in on her and it's beautiful. Look at verse 17. Jesus says, and Jesus says, don't hold on to me for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them he had said these things to her. So that's the end of our text. So Jesus, at, at the end of this story, she's like, 
just a basket case of all kinds of emotions now. And apparently, apparently she starts to cling to him. It doesn't say that, but apparently Jesus has to say, don't, don't cling to me. So question, why would Jesus say, hey, don't touch me? Uh, why would Jesus do this? Like she's weeping. She finally found him. She recognizes him. She wanted to weep over his dead body. Now she gets to weep over his living body. And he's like, don't touch me. Um, here's the point. Here's the point for us. Our relationship, our clinging to Jesus, it's not meant to be this individual, private, just me and Jesus experience. Jesus is telling me, yeah, 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 I love you too, but you're gonna need to learn to live without my physical presence because it's gonna get tough. You're gonna need to learn to depend on your community. Instead, go to my brothers. Jesus is like, it's not about my physical body anymore. It's not about just you and me. It's about my capital B, body of Christ church this is where I am. This is where you notice me and I notice you and you notice each other. Lean in, lean into who God is through community. Go to my brothers. It's not about private you and Jesus. It's about you, Jesus, your community. So listen, I know that it's tempting. I want to say this very lovingly to everyone right now. Um, I know it's tempting for a lot of us to double isolate in this time. What do I mean? Well, we're already isolated from quarantine, but we're also getting sick of screens and Zoom and Teams and whatever software you use to video conference. We're tired of it. We work all day on video conference calls. And the last thing we feel like doing is another one at the end of the day. So we're like, I'm skipping Zoom. I'm just gonna take a break from Zoom it's just me and Jesus, I'm fine. I've actually heard that there are folks in our church and I totally get it, 100%, 100% get the feeling. Uh, but there are folks in, in our church at Park Hill that have made that decision to like separate uh, from digitally fellowshipping. Um, and I, I get it, but in this story, Jesus would say this to you. He would say, I'm glad you like me and I'm glad you're, you think you're fine, um, but it's time to go reach out to everyone who isn't fine. <laughs> This is where I am. And this is where you are called to be. Go, like bring your family to my God and your God. My father is now your father. Be my brothers and sisters in this time. This is the new family we are. This is the new family we're called to be. We can't uh, forsake the assembly. And right now the gathering is digital. Don't forsake the digital gathering of the brothers and sisters. So there you have it, you guys. There you have it. The story of Mary, the story of the first great noticing of the risen Jesus. Jesus invites Mary to bring her raw self. Jesus comes to her in all her confusion, calls her name. And this is what Jesus is inviting you and me into together. Uh, to bring our raw self to our Wednesday night community meeting or Thursday night or Sunday afternoon to show up and to be there for each other and to notice the movement of God inside us and around us for the sake of others. So, and, and the good news is you guys, we worship, we worship a God who led the way in this. Jesus did this himself. As we close, just think of Jesus. The gospel stories of Jesus, they portray Jesus as a man who had intense emotion, raw emotion. And was, he was able to express those emotions in unashamed unembarrassed freedom to others. He didn't like project his emotions in unhealthy ways on people. And he didn't repress his emotions. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. 
Um, instead, we see Jesus who responsibly experienced the full range of human emotion throughout his earthly ministry. Pete Scazzaro says it this way, without doing the work of notice, becoming aware of your feelings and actions along with their impact on others, it's impossible to enter deeply into the life experiences of other people. So because Jesus was so emotionally healthy in touch with his feelings, I know we don't talk about Jesus like that. It sounds super like, like 90s therapy talk, which isn't all bad, uh, but it's true. Jesus was so emotionally healthy that he's now leading his family, his brothers and sisters through a quarantine crisis into emotional health. And Jesus did this by asking why questions. He always did. Like, so let's, like right here, why are you weeping? Two times, why are you weeping? So let's invite the spirit to ask us those questions as well. Like, just, just stop for a minute, wherever you are. I know we're already stopped. We're in our homes watching on a screen, but like, just take stock. Why am I always in a hurry even when I don't have to be anywhere? Why am I so impatient even when there's nothing on the immediate calendar? What am I so anxious about? Why do I dread this meeting tonight? Why do I avoid certain people? Why do I feel the compulsive just urge to respond to every text as soon as it comes in? Or why do I avoid certain texts? Is it because I want to come across as I, I please people? Um, Jesus is calling us to notice what's going on inside of us. And this crisis is exposing cracks in our character that were always there. And he wants to fill them in with his healing presence and grow us into the men and women he sees us becoming. So what cracks in our character are being exposed? Are those cracks deepening through abusive patterns in our own souls where we are actually sinning and getting worse and not surrendering and not noticing the presence of God in our lives? Or are we surrendering? Are we noticing and being open about the cracks in our character with our communities? This is what we're called to do in this time. So this involves um, taking my feelings to God and my community and speaking each other's names in blessing and in prayer and in forgiveness. And so I'm gonna leave you with a practice and then we're gonna come to communion and Sandy and I are gonna lead uh, a couple more songs. Man, I really miss you guys. Just gonna be open about that and raw. It's, it's something I grieve coming into Sunday and, and coming out of Sunday. It's like this weird pit of my stomach grief every Sunday. It's beautiful that we're all here, but man, I notice in me um, like a pit of emotion uh, that we don't get to be together physically. And so we're gonna practice. This is the practice for the week, the discipline of notice. And we're gonna do it in our community groups. And we have a guide that we can give you. Uh, if you're tuning in from somewhere else and you just want the guide, we can email that to you. Feel free to email us, info at parkhillsd.church. And, and it's a guide for practicing the discipline of notice. And, and really what I'm calling us to uh, and what the leadership of Park Hill is calling us to this week is, is two to five minutes twice a day. That's it. So do you have five to 10 minutes free a day? I think most of us do. 
If we don't, we ask bigger problems, I think. Um, But two to five minutes, twice a day, where we ask ourselves three questions, maybe one minute per question, and we just sit and breathe. Question number one. You take a deep breath, Monday morning, Monday night, whenever, and you, and you say, what is happening around me, outside of me? Example, you know, the world. Picture the planet and the countries that are threatened by COVID or the places that need the gospel. Just what's happening? Or around me, maybe in the room, the wind's blowing. I hear car noise from outside. (laughs) My neighbor just got home. What's going on around me? That's question number one. As big or as narrow in the moment. And then question number two. Move to the second space, and that's within. What is happening within me? And the four questions that help me get to that is, like, what am I mad about right now? What am I sad about? And then notice how you feel when you ask yourself that question. What am I sad about? And suddenly my, my lungs kind of drop a little bit. Or what am I anxious about? What am I anxious about? And suddenly I'm aware my shoulders are tight. Or what am I glad about? I instinctively smile. What's going on there? What's going on in the world inside me? So once we've asked the two questions, what's going on outside? What's going on inside? Then the third question, the most important question of all, where is God in both of those spaces, outside and inside? Where's God? And we have the scriptures as a guide. Where is God out in the world? What is he doing? What is he interested in? How does he move? We have story after story of how he moves in the world. And where is God within us? We have 150 Psalms of God's activity in the inner soul of the psalmist. What is God doing? We have Jesus, who again was an emotional being intensely and he wrestled with God in his heart in Gethsemane. Where is God in both of those spaces, outside and inside? And how can I join him in that moment? How can I join his movement in those spaces? So that's the practice, the discipline of notice. And it would be beautiful if all of us, how many of us are, I don't know how many folks are tuned in, but uh, if all of us can can lean into that this week, I think God is gonna um, have us in that merry Mary at the tomb kind of moment where, where Jesus is able to speak our names and we could speak our names to each other and call out God's blessing on each other and in community. So we're gonna come to the table now. We're gonna eat and drink the bread and cup. Notice that Jesus has gone before us into suffering. And uh, yeah, so feel free now as we move into communion. Um, I'm gonna take 30 seconds to be still and bring in the, the keyboard like we do. But just get a uh, bread and cup and bring it to wherever you're at. And uh, we're going to eat and drink and give thanks for Jesus' presence in our lives. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for being present to us and in us and with us. We pray, Lord, that right now you would just speak our names. 
we would know that we're loved and known and seen by you, God. Speak our names and then use us to speak one another's names. Call us into more awareness of your presence. Not less aware, not numbing ourselves, not escaping or isolating, but becoming more aware of what you're doing outside and inside. May we sow and reap a harvest from what goes on in this moment. So just 30 seconds, just be still and notice what's going on around you. Maybe ask yourself those questions, what's going on inside, outside, and what is God doing? And then we're gonna sing.